0: You are listening to a Radio on production brought to you by HT Smartcast. This is Minding My Business The CEO Story with Ramesh Menon and Rishi K. Hey, what we love is a radio show and podcast that entertains and informs. And with the risk of sounding slightly self laudatory, patting ourselves on the back, let me say that we have the right mix here. Welcome to episode three of Minding My Business, the CEO story, and it comes to you on ninety four point three Radio One on FM radio and on podcast form on HD Smartcast and leading streaming services. This is a Radio One production. I'm Radio and Podcast host Rishi K, and let me welcome my co-host, all round good man Ramesh Menon, CEO. H T Media Limited. Hey, how are you? Good to know that you're nice and settled behind the microphone. Ramesh.
1: Now, now it's become second nature to me and, and, and like I told you earlier, you're going to have competition. right? <laughs> uh, I'm well and let me tell you one of the things that's uh, really keeping us well is listening to these CEOs and and their remarkable stories. Each one of them has really had a unique journey and uh, we are actually trying to tap into these stories and uh, in that, that, that process itself is very exciting for me. It's nice to be back with another amazing guest uh, Rishi.
0: Yes, totally. That's Go on, right ahead. Uh, welcome him. Ramesh, this gentleman is a business leader who thinks on his feet and senses opportunities in an intuitive manner. And that's what I love about him.
1: Yeah. And, and what I also love about him is that uh, he's taken global best practices of a multinational giant and taken them and Indianized them beautifully.
0: I like the tone of that Indianize them beautifully
1: Please welcome Prabhjeet Singh President
0: India South Asia At Uber Prabh how are you doing I hope the family and you Are safe and healthy And you've got both your
2: jabs All is well The first jab is done Second one is on its way In about a week's time And then I can be travelling And meeting you in person Very soon Oh, great. So so let's start, Prabhupada. I want to start with your
1: ride-sharing business. Uh, obviously, uh, during the pandemic, there must have been some impact, of course. And I also want to know what's the status on your sort of low-cost uh, portfolio, like, say, auto, bikes, and so on. You could start with probably what Uber's been doing since the pandemic and what's what's going on now.
2: Damish, yeah, the pandemic is a once-in-a-century health crisis. And I would even say it's as much a humanitarian crisis. And it has impacted a business like uber which is in the job of moving people from point a to point b in fact from moving people from point a to point b last march in 2020 when the pandemic hit we were actually messaging our consumers to not step out or step out only if it was essential from there to a time now where in the country we have had two reasonably vicious waves it has impacted the mobility habits uh, and impacted the business i think there are two or three things which have actually been some ray of good light as we look at the impact of the pandemic. It has forced us as Uber, which is already historically known for its innovation, to innovate even faster. For example, the first thing which we had focused was, as the pandemic took shape, what can we do to deploy our technology, our infrastructure to support the country during this window? So for example, during last year, during the lockdown, we launched a service called Uber Medic to transport essential services, workers. We launched services like Uber Essential or partnered for delivery services with third parties like Big Basket, Flipkart, et cetera. More recently, and as the lockdowns have opened up, we have really focused around safety, making sure that our drivers get safer and through them, the platform is safer and encourages more users to come back to the category. Uh, last year, it was about deploying safety screens in vehicles where we deployed more than 2 lakh safety screens to separate a driver with the rider. Now we are focused on getting the drivers vaccinated. We are incentivizing them, and we've set aside almost 18 and a half crores of budgets to incentivize drivers to overcome vaccine hesitancy. They give us a certificate, we verify that, and that helps us to build the comfort and the confidence of doing the right thing. Coming closer to the business, I think if you look at the recovery, one thing is very sure. As cities open up and people start moving again, Uber's business comes roaring back. And that's exactly what is happening. We are beginning to see people step out and begin to use ride-sharing services again. That was happening after wave 1 is happening again. What's super interesting is that parts of the portfolio are growing much faster than others. Our intercity portfolio, where you take a same Uber and go uh, to another city, travel 100, 150, 200 kilometers outside the city and get the same convenience and affordability which you know uber for a low cost portfolio which you mentioned uh today uber is one of the only india is one of the only countries for uber where we have a four-wheeler a three-wheeler and a two-wheeler business and almost one out of two trips on the platform happen on a non-car based product uh, which reflects in some form the habits and what the the indian consumer needs we are seeing this portfolio the three-wheeler and two-wheeler portfolio come back and scale much faster than what would be considered the core cars business for Uber, which is very much linked to a lot around uh, office use cases. Cars is often linked to travel to and from airport. And as those use cases come back, uh, we'll see recovery on that also.
0: Super answer. Prabh, I want to just now look at major cities versus tier two cities. I mean, classic example, you know, you're with a bunch of guys, you do your post-graduation together, they go into corporate life, you come into the media, but they're still doing the the daily trudge to Delhi, to Bangalore from Bombay. And all of a sudden, I know that that travel to work to get to the airport thrice a week, four times a week has been affected for a lot of people. How are tier one cities doing vis-a-vis tier 2 cities for Uber?
2: That's a great question, Rishi. If I step back, uh, Uber today is in more than 90 cities in the country, which is a combination of tier 1, 2 and 3 cities. And our ambition is to get to more than 200 cities. Wherever there are people traveling from point A to point B, we should be able to deploy a technology infrastructure. But if you look at the impact of the pandemic and recovery, interestingly, we are seeing both tier 1 cities and tier 2 cities recover. In fact, we are also seeing. The usage of some of the new products like whether it be Uber Auto or Uber Rentals for example where you can book an Uber and keep the vehicle with you for 2 hours, 3 hours or 6 hours based on your use case is actually coming from multiple cities. What's that forcing us to do is to launch the same wide portfolio of services even to tier 2 cities. In fact as we speak uh, over the last few months both after wave 2 and uh, right after wave 1. We were in the process of expanding more products to Tier 2 cities. For example, whether it be Uber Rentals, which is now in nearly 39 cities, or Uber Auto, which is again in upwards of 40 cities across the country. We are beginning to see that progress across the board. What is also interesting is the use case for a new product which we launched, which was Uber Connect, which is you can request two-wheeler to come to your place and use it to send a package to your loved one. I think as the pandemic took hold and as lockdowns happened, people still wanted to send care packages, wanted to send home cooked food to their friends and family. And that service has actually found traction, surprisingly, not just in tier one cities, but also in tier two cities. Uh, And I spoke about Intercity right now. That's a product which is actually seeing traction again across the country. Again, very early days, my fingers are crossed. And I do believe eventually If you have a proposition which is safe, affordable and convenient, there are users in uh, upwards of 200 cities across the country waiting to use them.
1: So let me, let me ask you uh, about a worry that's uh, in our heads, uh, less and less people are traveling to work. You know, does it worry, to you, worry you that uh, lots of companies have now said work from home and or partial work from home and, you know, that will be their policy going forward? Uh, will it impact uh, our business, or your business and mine actually? You know why he's saying that, you know, because
0: he's a CEO who, who walks the talk he he's literally in the office every day <laughs> while, while the rest to, of the fellows we need to
1: find that nobody is taking the hint
0: yeah so the rest of the fellows are like work from home <laughs> you know come, we'll take that Uber to, tomorrow or next week <laughs>
2: <laughs> no i'm i'm sure ramesh i think uh, crisis leads to opportunities and innovative players like uber and radio 1 Uh, are able to dig out new opportunities when uh, the environment changes. I think one thing is very, very clear that, yes, there is a shift in how companies are thinking of future of work. The mobility patterns will get impacted and will see a change. But also what's interesting is there are other use cases which are going to emerge. For a category like Uber, what we are seeing is while for a period of time, the return to work has impacted going to office use cases. Other use cases, when people step out for grocery shopping, when people want to be able to travel smaller distances, they're actually choosing digital platforms to be versus some of the uh, unorganized sector. So they will rather take an auto on the street side, they would rather book it on an Uber platform. Uh, there are folks who are choosing to, as I said, uh, use a two-wheeler service uh, for a host of reasons. They would believe that that's a That's a choice which would be a better option for them. It's faster, it's efficient, it's it's possibly safer. Uh, So multiple things play out. And at the end of the day, it's about continuously innovating to what the needs of the consumers is. At Uber, the way I like to think of our competition or opportunities, not in a very limiting, finite way. To me, the opportunity is really about challenging private vehicle ownership, irrespective of what happens to office use cases. Today, we still serve less than 1% of the total kilometers which get traveled in a city. And that's the market. Which one is trying to compete? There are India today has less than 30 cars per thousand people, Uh, US has upwards of 800. There is no need for India to go down that route. In fact, that would actually be counterproductive for the kind of investments which infrastructure will need. And that is the bigger opportunity, and people will step out. People may step out for different use cases. And at Uber, we want to be on standby to serve every single need. And that's why you see us diversifying our product portfolio and continuously innovating. Many of these are India first products, uh, conceptualized here, incubated here, and now being taken to other markets globally.
0: You actually segued into my next question. I really meant that in the beginning when I said that you're intuitive and you sense business opportunities because you, you briefly talked about Uber Connect. I want to dive into sensing new business opportunities with Uber Essential, Uber Medic, and there's been some hiring too. Is the parcel delivery business, the transportation of goods,
2: Uber Connect, is that now going to be a priority for Uber? Prabhupada? if you look at history for Uber, there's one thing which has been constant is change. What we started off, if you look at the history in 2009-10, we started off as a two-city service in which you would use a app to be able to request for a black limousine in the US market. And very soon, we realized that for us to serve a larger market, we need to adapt from that to a stage where we probably have more than 15 different products operating in different countries, including in some countries, uh, there are buses running on the Uber platform, or in some geographies, they're actually enabling waterways-based boat systems. Uh, it just suggests that fundamentally, we want to be able to be there wherever you need to move things from point A to point B, or increasingly, as our CEO, Dara Khosrowsahi describes, uh, we want to be able to also bring products to you wherever you are. So whether you want to go out or whether you want to bring products, which is part of a go-get strategy. To me, Uber Connect is a very integral part of the same. There is no reason that if you need something to be sent uh, to a friend or family member, you should now be stepping out and driving for a few kilometers yourself in the middle of the day. Or if you want something picked up from a local store, uh, it requires you to have... Uh, an errand boy on your service who will go and do that. Why not use the power of technology where somebody with a two-wheeler is already out there and then, remember the two-wheeler uh, biker is probably delivering food for some other platform for a couple of hours. For a couple of hours he or she is actually transporting passengers on uber moto and for a couple of other hours and uh, this is the best earning opportunity for him he would be transferring packages on uber connect so absolutely this is a priority uh and i think the pandemic has only accelerated that and we'll continue to try and see if we can con- use the same uh biker same person who's actually providing transportation services to also do delivery of these packages during complimentary hours
1: so so uh you know that uh, takes me to another part of that, which is that, you know, tech, India has been the tech, back, you know, sort of back office for the world and so on. Do you think Uber, you could be the, India could be the tech hub for Uber for the world, which you sort of create and nurture and then eventually every other country sort of feeds off it and utilizes the services that you provide? Could, could that be a business as well for you or, you know, whichever way that you do it?
2: Amish, this is something which has already happened. I would argue that India is an integral part of Uber's global success. Not only India is a strategic market uh, in lines of what I described earlier, but there are a lot of innovations which are being built in India and being taken globally. And even more importantly, India is a very large tech hub for Uber. We have large technology centers in Bangalore and Hyderabad. In fact, as we speak, uh, we we are celebrating the seventh year of our tech hubs in India. These are large teams we are hiring at a very rapid scale. This is talent which is experiencing the Uber product on a day-to-day basis in a tough market like India and then being able to create full-stack solutions which are now helping global mobility uh, in multiple countries. An example of that, whether it be a couple of years back when we launched Cash for the first time in Uber Network that was done in India, uh, our teams took it global. There were multiple products uh, for example, Uber bus, which I mentioned, which uh, is being supported by the tech team in India. More recently, when the pandemic hit, we were very clear that we have to use technology as a way to make the ride safer. So one of the features which was developed was uh, mask verification using a selfie technology for the rider or the driver, that from time to time you will be asked to take a selfie and then the app would actually track and in the back end trigger if they are detecting a driver or rider without a mask. But this requires machine learning algorithms To be able to learn very quickly on how to read a face with a mask which by the way not how traditional algorithms would have been trained and a lot of that development has happened with the teams in Hyderabad and Bangalore and which is now technology which is being used globally Uh, or it'd be a new development for example a lot of the work which is happening in the space of micro mobility a lot of the work which is happening in terms of uh, rider experience is also being done out of India. Remember, India is not just doing a part of a sliver of the work. Uh, India actually has full stack teams. We will have uh, product managers, designers, engineers, researchers, data scientists, all of them sitting in the same room and taking end-to-end accountability. I would argue that uh, this should only head in one direction, which is uh, upwards from here.
1: Fabulous.
0: Nice. I'm going to jump to EVs now. Uh, there have been lots of partnerships in the electric vehicle space, Prab, Tell us about those partnerships and your plan for electric vehicles
2: and electric rickshaws. Rishi, I truly believe that sustainability is a team sport. No one person, no one company, no one institution can make such gigantic shift in the ecosystem by themselves. It means multiple players have to come together. The OEMs are building high-quality products, two-wheelers, three-wheelers, four-wheelers. There are battery swapping players who are developing new technology and bringing the cost of that down. There are financiers who are trying to create an ecosystem for new pe- for people to buy electric vehicles and overcome initial hesitancy. And Uber and other ride wing platforms have a role to play to be able to a catalyst where if somebody has an electric vehicle, they should be able, to be able to earn a decent and fair living by deploying that on a platform, which makes it easier for them to be able to then invest behind that vehicle. And as Uber and as a critical part of the mobility system, we are committed to sustainability uh, in a, both in a global way and for India. In fact, very recently, we made a global commitment to be emission-free for 100% of our rides by 2040. And for India, this is something which is super important. Remember we do have a big pollution problem. 14 of the last 20 most polluted cities, as per some of the recent surveys, are in India. It is imperative that India is able to move towards cleaner fuels, towards electric vehicles in a reasonably accelerated manner. Uber's strategy in India towards this has been around how do we partner with multiple players in the ecosystem to accelerate that, whether it be partnership with uh, two-wheeler self-drive electric bike players like Yulu, or players like Mahindra, who have three-wheelers uh, like Mahindra Trio, uh, or with players like Lithium, which have four-wheeler electric vehicles. We have been testing multiple such categories on the platform, generating real-time data to be able to see what is the range, where the, where is the where stru- how is the demand pattern, uh, what kind of utilizations happen, and then that information goes into the ecosystem. We are also very bullish on electric rickshaws. Now, this is one of the most omnipresent form factor which you, uh, anybody will see if you're in Delhi or uh, uh, in Kolkata and multiple other smaller cities also across the country, uh, which have been around for a period of time. Now, many of these are emission-free uh, and will continue to uh, be a significant part of the ecosystem. We challenge ourselves to say, why don't we deploy Uber technology to these e-rickshaws? And we are running now multiple pilots and we're seeing massive adoption among both the electric rickshaw drivers and riders Want to use the Uber platform to actually summon the rickshaw, have them at their disposal, use it to go from point A to point B. In fact, as we speak, till date, more than 5,500 vehicles, electric vehicles, have been on the platform. These include four wheelers, three wheelers, two wheelers, and Erics. We have, till date, uh, done more than 7 million, more than 70 lakh clean kilometers on the platform. Uh, Obviously, there's still a lot more to be done, but I'm pretty confident that with the ecosystem, the way it is shaping, uh, we should be able to make a reasonable dent uh, on this agenda. Uh, This is not something which will happen over one year. This is a multi-year journey, but we are very, very excited and committed for it.
1: Great. Uh, Let me ask you a question on the supply side of things. I mean, uh, we're all having the problem... you know, cars are there, but are there enough drivers for a question, right? Uh, there's been a massive migration of drivers and not just drivers, even employees in our organization. A lot of the people have gone back to their hometowns to work and so on. So when you suddenly call them back to work, uh, you either they're reluctant to come back or they're still worried that, you know, if they come back, what will happen if there's another wave? You know, their cost of living has changed substantially, uh, you know. Uh, so wh- how are you tackling that uh, situation from?
2: Pramesh, that's definitely a challenge for multiple industries across the board. I think if I look at drivers at Uber, they are the heart of Uber. They are the ones who make Uber what it is. They are the ones who provide the service and deliver on the value proposition and the pandemic has hit them hard and there are three parts which i think have impacted them most and uh, our attempt is to mitigate the impact to the best of our ability first has been the impact on their earnings uh, when the city comes to a halt whether because of a lockdown or constraints or people stop moving uh, drivers don't end up making the kind of money they are used to they made in uh, investments in their vehicles etc i think we are very clear that the one thing we have to do is to find ways to deploy them towards meaningful livelihood opportunities that's why when i spoke earlier about uber medic or uber essential or last mile delivery partnerships that became a way for us to put more money in the pocket of drivers by giving them alternate earning opportunities uh while deploying the same asset which is their car or three-wheeler as they have uh, the second thing which uh, obviously impacted the drivers was as they think of wanting to come back and start driving again they have questions around, you know, is it safe to drive? Will I actually end up getting impacted by the pandemic personally? So we are very focused on making sure they feel supported. So the things which we have done towards that is, last year we did a one-time grant uh, during the lockdown in the bank accounts where 1 lakh drivers got one-time uh, cash grant in their account, which wanted to make sure that drivers don't feel compelled to drive when they're not comfortable. We also make sure that if a driver uh, is impacted by COVID, uh, he does not end up driving. We are able to tag that in the system. We also provide them 14 days worth of support uh, so that they don't feel compelled to drive. We also have to ensure that they feel comfortable coming back. I spoke about the vaccination incentives, uh, where nearly 18 and a half crores worth of incentives have been given out till date. Uh, more than one lakh drivers have got vaccinated and have actually shared their digital certificates with us, which we have then validated using the Covin website. And we are able to then confidently spread the word among other drivers who then get encouraged to also get vaccinated and start coming back. That's the last thing at the end of the day is it is important that the drivers know that we have their back and we are trying our best uh, despite the trying conditions. And the best thing to do is being able to get business to a recovery phase at the, the fastest. And thereby being able to uh, scale up our services, new products in other cities, I spoke about, uh, diversifying our products. Those are all the right things which only then help create more earning opportunities. But suddenly Uber Intercity is recovered much faster. The same driver who otherwise would have d- done only trips within the city is now comfortable doing a Mumbai Lonavla. Uh, or a Delhi-Jaipur trip and make that extra earning which then helps him during this period. So I think there are multiple measures, still a lot more needs to get done. We also recognize that uh, drivers continue to have feedback on things which we can do better and
0: we continue to work on that Mm, great just as a corollary to that you know you talked about driver safety you talked about vaccination
2: as far as customers are
0: are concerned that end of the spectrum building confidence amongst them to ensure their health and their safety if you could just close that circle you know then we've covered both
2: drivers as well as customers I'm no public health expert, but very strongly believe that the only way to fight the pandemic during this period is mass vaccination. And we at Uber believe we can play a role in supporting that, which is by overcoming mobility as a barrier. If there is somebody who wants to get vaccinated, it should not be a reason that they can't find a way to get to the hospital or they don't have the money to do that. Or they feel there's a constraint or they're dependent on somebody else to do that. As a result, right When after wave one and when vaccinations were available, we introduced a commitment of about 10 crores worth of free rides on the Uber platform where anybody can enter a specific code on the Uber app. And when they are going to a vaccination center or coming back, they can get a free ride. Now, that's our small way of encouraging people to go out and get vaccinated. Uh, And I do hope more and more people use that benefit. Remember, there are segments which would otherwise be dependent on other members of the family to take them or there will be people from the economically weaker sections particularly. we've also partnered with NGOs in that context, recognizing there are segments of society, for example, the elderly who may not be able to access. So we are partnered with uh, players like Helpage, uh, NGOs like Robin Hood Army, and who are then taking this benefit and taking it to consumers they are in touch with. So you do hope this is utilized to its full and we can do our bit in uh, also making the consumer experience
0: safer. Okay, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, you moved. You moved from McKinsey and Company, where you were an associate partner, to Uber in 2015, Prabh. So it's been six eventful years, and that has led to some great successes, some major crises too, like we just talked about the pandemic. I want to know your learnings as a business leader uh, for us to draw from. Everybody who's uh, watching, listening, for them uh, to uh, you know to just be inspired from.
2: Adesha, I'm in such an early journey of my professional career. I think I'm still learning from other leaders. So I've tread this territory very, very cautiously. Uh, I think the two or three learnings which I have had uh, through my career, which I keep going back to in times when I feel down. Number one is the recognition that I am where I am as a As an opportunity because partly it was hard work and the last part of it was luck and i should always be humble to recognize that uh and as particularly in the world of business things change very rapidly the best is to be able to use the platforms you have to have as much impact as you can i think the second thing which i've also learned is the importance of doing the right thing uh there will be times crisis there will be great highs whatever you do but one thing you need to be able to always do is take a step back view and always do the right thing, not because somebody is watching and somebody's expecting you to, but because you are watching and you expect yourself to live with that. And that's something which, as Uber, I feel we have been able to do that, whether it be our stance on safety standards, our stance on doing the right thing when it comes to doing background checks, our stance on behind the scenes running and investing in algorithms which will keep the platform safer and continue to raise the bar not because somebody asked us to, but because that's the right thing. And the last reflection for me is really around entrepreneurship, which I learned particularly in the last six years. Uh, To me, I've come to realize entrepreneurship is actually not about size or scale, but it's about culture. Uh, I think it's a dichotomy to think that only small companies can be entrepreneurial. At Uber, I have learned that even as we become a large organization globally as a publicly listed company operating in 10,000 cities we still have the ability to be able to be entrepreneurial yes the way entrepreneurship takes shape is different it's a lot more measured it's a lot more collaborative you work a lot more with stakeholders to get the same innovation but we spoke about some examples in the last 12 months uh, that has come to four not just in india but globally
1: Actually, that's a fabulous thought in entrepreneurship. So tell me, you also said you're uh, still learning from great business leaders. So who's the business leader that you really admire and and why, if I may ask?
2: Uh, that's that's a hard one, uh, Ramesh. I, I, I may I say two. I think one, I, I definitely from a global landscape, I have always been inspired by what Sam Walton did for Walmart. I think the reason is, I would say he was one of the true first entrepreneurs who had a vision who thought bold, who, who's a creator, who created a multi-billion dollar economy, which in some form inspired a lot of what happens in e-commerce now. Uh, it's a, it's just in a very, very different format. Uh, and I think something which he did uh, continues to remind me that you have to take big, bold bets in your life. I think closer home, uh, Narayan Murthy is somebody who I deeply, deeply admire, I think particularly for his humility. Uh, he built... Uh, businesses he's had so much impact but uh, whenever you see him you realize that he's still the same humble person he's still learning he's still uh, always looking to adapt and i hope i can imitate that even up to one percent of what he has done and that would be success
1: that's great Uh, sam walton by the way is is a personal favorite of mine because i used to be a retailer in my last avatar
2: absolutely we should we should exchange (laughs) notes uh, on that
0: so you're an IIT and I am alumni, wow. And I do not mean wow because of academic achievement.
2: <laughs> I didn't I didn't have any achievement. Did I send you my scorecard from the two institutions? No way. <laughs>
0: But really, Prabh, I mean, great tradition of music and live music, especially during their annual cultural festivals. I mean, I've had the good fortune of, you know, going as a debater to IIM, uh, to IIT, sometimes even gate-crash festivals and I'm not participating. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic.
2: You look familiar. You look somebody who, why (laughs) no security duty I may have caught. You may have caught it.
0: <laughs> What kind of music do you listen to? What's on your playlist? And you know, jog your memory. Any music concert that you
2: went to during your student days or now recently that you really enjoyed? I, I'll be honest here, I have two young daughters, seven and four. So my playlist right now is full of rhymes which they enjoy. I'm not sure if uh, Baby Shark counts that's my youngest one favorite epic <laughs> <laughs> or Manu bhaiya motor challe is like on the recent road trip that's what my younger daughter was uh, singing away but, but if I, if i jog my memory and that reminds me how old i am now coincidentally my one of my favorite bands uh, not sure how much of this current generation has heard of that is indian ocean uh, i remember they had come to Kharagpur, which is right out there in the in the middle of nowhere uh, and performed for us way back in 2003 and I've been hooked. I've been hooked to Kandisa uh, as my favorite song. And uh, in, on days when I'm either too happy or too sad, that's a song you, you'll hear me playing. Uh, concerts is a harder one. Concerts is, uh, the pandemic has made me forget now when was the last time I attended one. But but I'm, I'm a theater person. I'm, I, I love going to theater. I love, I'll buy any expensive ticket to watch live action or, or someday get a chance on your radio show to probably perform. Hey, that, lovely.
1: That, that could happen anytime <laughs> <laughs> Doors open,
2: doors open <laughs> but, but fantastic, huh?
0: you know a Fun fact, I, I went to college with uh, The drummer of Indian Ocean, Amit Killam And ah. him and me are, are great buddies and fantastic Kandisa is again one of my uh, my Eternal favorites, fantastic And just the fact that they combined four With rock and roll on stage I think it's just, they, they did fusion when there was no fusion <laughs>
1: you know, <Absolutely>. so <laughs> Lovely, lovely So uh, A lot of the uh, CEOs we met in the last few weeks uh, Have told us that you know they don't read books anymore. Are you one of them, or uh, you know? Uh, are there any books that uh, have left an impact on you,
2: or you'll you'll love, or you remember? You know, increasingly, I'm I'm trying to embrace books, but uh, in different formats. So I'm I'm switching a lot more to listening uh, while I'm working out or uh, kind of sp- spending time on my bicycle. Uh, the books which have stood with me, I think that the all time favorite will be uh, two of them. One is Open by uh andrea gasi uh, he was one of my childhood favorites uh, very temperamental but he transformed his life and i think a very honest articulation of his life journey his travails his his self doubts uh, and how he overcomes that uh, and the other one's been more recently is was becoming by michelle obama i think it is just an inspiring story of a very strong woman and in some form but barack obama gets so much visibility i think a truly The book tells you where he gets his power and inspiration from. Uh, And in some form, at a personal level, I do believe like a lot of my energy and my clarity of thought comes because I'm married right uh, myself. So I think uh, I find a lot of resonance there. Well, Open
0: Andre Agassi Another eternal favorite of mine But you know Prabh That his greatest Achievement Wasn't all the Grand Slams Neither the book Nor the tennis You know where This is going Steffi Graf Man (laughs) Steffi Graf Andre Agassi's Biggest achievement Is getting into A romantic liaison And getting married To Steffi Graf I I know I know
2: And like how I was envious of him For having done that Not many people know I'm not sure even If I told my wife About it Uh, As a teenager The only poster I had on my wall wow. Was that of Steffi Graf They used to have The Sportstar magazine Sportstar
0: yeah yeah. The Hindu group Used a, to publish it yeah. They had mm. a
2: Central cover page And that was And I like Preserved that For at least 6 years uh, It was heartbroken But eventually I was glad that Two of my favourite uh, Tennis stars Ended up being together
0: So a sport that you follow And your favourite player In that sport would be Why?
2: Oh, it it has to be tennis. I I suck at it. I do try and play myself four times a week. But I think growing up, seeing Steffi and Andre in action have been my favorite. And those are my favorite players, including and Goran Ivanisevic, who's obviously now playing a different avatar with Novak. But in the current generation, I think uh, I am a Roger Federer fan. He he is an epitome of uh, challenging the notion that nice guys finish last. I think you can be great and nice. And I find that personally very, very inspiring. Uh, a
0: single-handed backhand or double-handed backhand? Four times a week.
2: Uh, my, my coach tells me that out of the 10, I miss nine out of the backhand. So, I don't <laughs> think I, I have any right to comment on that. <laughs> no, because a Federer
0: fan would have single, an Agassi fan would have double. So, you know, <laughs>
2: you,
0: you're, you're conflicted there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, last question. Uh, your your favorite uh, vacation spot and, and why do you love going there?
2: Uh, it, it, it has to be, uh, Ramesh, it has to be Ladakh. Uh, I think it's, it's a world uh, of its own. It gives me, each time I go there, a very different inner peace. I haven't been there since the pandemic. I haven't got a chance and the courage to drive down with two young kids that far, but definitely look forward to doing that. I think it's, it combines for me spirituality, nature, and a sense of self-discovery each time, but particularly trekking uh, in, the, in, in the area.
0: Rob, this has been just awesome. So much fun, so many insights. Thanks for being on Minding My Business, the CEO story and being so forthcoming with your views. Ramesh.
1: Uh, That was uh, fabulous uh, listening to you. It was a fun conversation and and great to see that you're plunging into new directions and what uh, Uber is doing in India. And it's really admirable that uh, you're you're so calm through all of that stuff. So best of luck for the journey ahead and uh, hope to catch up.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Rishi and Ramesh for having me.
1: So, Ramesh, that's another really
0: fruitful episode of our show that we've wrapped. Looks like uh, you're raring to go for more.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, this has become second nature now. I mean, <laughs> I'm waiting to pick the brains of the next business leader we have on the show. and It's one super ride, upon unintended or intended, uh, since we have the CEO of Uber on with us today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right (laughs) Well I can see Your sense of humor Is still rocking And rolling Ramesh Thanks for tuning in guys Make sure you keep listening To some great radio And podcasts Please build that habit
1: And come back next week for another super cool episode.
0: Yes, Minding My Business, the CEO story shall be back with another captain of the industry who's paved the way. Remember, you can catch us on 94.3 Radio 1 on FM Radio and on HD Smartcast in podcast form over all major streaming platforms. This is a Radio 1 production. Till next week, it's bye from me, Rishi K. And me, Ramesh Menon. This was a radio on production brought to you by HD Smartcast.
2: HD Smartcast.